0: lesson is from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 through 16 listen for the word of God for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard after agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage he sent them into his vineyard When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him because no one has hired us he said to them you also go into the vineyard when evening came the owner of the vineyard said to his manager call the laborers and give them their pay beginning with the last and then going to the first when those hired about five o'clock came each of them received the usual daily wage Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Thanks be to God. One of the things that I would regularly marvel at when I was walking across France and Spain a year ago on my sabbatical pilgrimage was just how little one actually needs. All I had was what fit in my backpack. It meant I was washing clothes out every evening, and there was little variety in what I was wearing, but I had everything I needed. I would think of all the possessions that fill my apartment and my overflowing storage unit and my office, and sometimes wonder what it would be like just to get rid of it all. I have inherited and accumulated so much in my six plus decades of life. And I really don't need all the things that fill my living and my workspace. Of course, while I was walking day after day, I had the luxury of having other people prepare my food. I just had to carry enough water and perhaps a picnic and a few snacks for the day. I also had the luxury of knowing I would have a safe, secure place to lay my head each night. But one of the things I realized was that we really don't need that much. Shelter, water, food, and a change of clothing. Of course, my pilgrimage experience was not my usual everyday life. I do need more clothing back here in the real world. But I certainly don't need the amount of clothes I have. And I do need kitchen and household supplies and some furnishings. But I could probably easily get rid of half of what is in my kitchen and still be just fine. Though it is not a necessity, having some art on the walls and books on the shelves enriches my life. Still, my life could do with a major clearing out, and I would be absolutely fine. The simplicity of a monk's cell has a growing appeal to me. I would not presume to speak about simplifying life to those who barely have enough to survive in this world, and may not even have that. But most of us gathered here on the Upper East Side of Manhattan on this Sunday morning have far more than our daily bread. We have far more than enough. And in this world where there is an ever-widening gulf between those who have far more than enough and those who are barely surviving, I think God calls us to reflect on just what is enough. I think living faithfully requires such reflection. The people of Israel fled Egypt, and God had Moses lead them into the wilderness. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann says the wilderness in the tradition of Israel signifies multiple things. First, it is geographical the area Israel had to traverse to carry them from Egypt, from slavery, to the Promised Land, a place of secure well-being. The wilderness also signifies an area without life-sustaining resources. There's no water, bread, or meat. This part of the Book of Exodus is known as the sojourn tradition. And as Brueggemann says, we go from one narrative of crisis to another, crises that teach the people about their relationship with God. God reveals to them time and again that the Lord hears their cries and will sustain them, will make sure they have enough. In our passage for today, the people are so desperately hungry that they complain to Moses and Aaron, we wish we were back in Egypt again. They were treated brutally in Egypt They were slaves, forced to do the hardest labor. But right now, all they remember is that they had meat and bread to eat. We could just as well have died in Egypt, they say. Why did you bring us out to the wilderness to die? God tells Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven. Each morning, people will be able to gather enough for that day. And in the evening, there will be meat quails to eat. God hears their cries and provides for them. But God's actions are also to test the people. Will they trust in God? Will they follow God's direction? Will they believe that God will indeed provide them with what they need? Our reading for today ended at verse 15, but it's important to hear the rest of the story. The Lord commands the people to gather as much manna as each person needs for a day. No one will go without. God is providing enough for everyone. But they are not supposed to leave any of it overnight. They can't save it for the next day. God is testing them. Will they trust that God will send the manna again the next morning and the next for as long as they need it? Imagine how tempting it would be to save some for the next day. You are in the wilderness, a place that cannot sustain life. There is no regular supply of food. Who wouldn't think it wise to gather more than you need and save some for the future? But that's not what God's wilderness economy is about God is teaching the people to trust that they will have what they need to survive. God will sustain them. Those who don't listen and save some for the next morning find when they wake up that their manna is full of worms and fowl. I don't think you would make that mistake twice. There is, of course, an exception to this. God wants them to observe the Sabbath, a day of rest even in the wilderness. On the sixth day, they are allowed to gather enough food for two days. They can prepare it however they want, bake it or boil it, the Lord says, and put it aside for the next day. I love that God gives them cooking instructions. I also love that God insists that they are to rest on the seventh day. But still, some of them do not learn. Some of them go out to gather food on the seventh day, and of course, there is none to be found. God is a bit put out with them at this point. When will you listen to me? I have given you the Sabbath. Stay in your tents and rest on the seventh day. This provision of daily food is so much more than simply providing for their physical needs. God is teaching them to trust the Lord, teaching them that God is indeed their God and will provide for them. And the collection of food is tied to the Sabbath. They are to rest and trust that God will still provide even if they take a break. Resting is a gift from God, it is holy, and God insists upon it. God wasn't just making the people of Israel into a political nation. God was forming them spiritually, teaching them what it means to be God's people, to depend upon God, to remember they belong to God, and to observe a Sabbath rest. Our text from Matthew today is one of the most challenging parables for us. Its message is similar to the lessons God is teaching the people in Exodus. This parable really makes us bristle. What the landowner does is profoundly unfair by our standards. He hires laborers to work in the vineyard early in the morning. These first workers make an agreement with him that they will work for the usual daily wage, a denarius. It wasn't much it was just enough to live on then the landowner goes back to the marketplace at 9 in the morning again at noon and midday and finally late in the afternoon each time finding workers who haven't been hired yet and telling them to go work in his vineyard and he'll pay them fairly when it's quitting time those who started the latest get the usual daily wage and so do all the others, who, even those who started at the break of day. Of course, those who worked all day are outraged. I certainly would be. How can you pay those who only worked an hour the same as us? I imagine that's how we all would respond. The landowner replies, I'm not doing you a wrong. I paid you what we agreed upon. I am allowed to do what I want with what belongs to me, and I choose to give to these last the same as I give to you. Of course, this is not practical. Jesus is not giving us a manual for how to run a business. As Tom Long points out in his commentary on Matthew, if we paid workers who started in December the same as we paid people who worked since January, we would have no workers until December rolled around. Long goes on to say the aim of this parable is to be monumentally impractical, to fracture so thoroughly our expectations, our customary patterns of practicality, that we are forced to think new thoughts. Long goes on to point out that the landowner's concern here is for the laborers not for the vineyard. He doesn't go to repeatedly get more workers because there's just too much work for those early hires. He's motivated by their need for work not his need for workers. Long writes and every worker gets what they need to survive the day. Long writes that the most challenging and offensive message of this passage is that God is generous. And what God is saying to the grumbling workers when he asks, Are you envious because I am generous? is really, Does my generosity expose the poverty of your own spirit? Long goes on to write this about God's generosity. God's generosity spills over the levees we have built to contain it and surges mercifully over the landscape of human life. The rush of God's generosity bears away in its flood every rickety shack built on human schemes of merit and this world's view of goodness. I think both of these texts speak to the blessing and challenge of having just enough. It is a blessing that God takes care of the people in the wilderness, giving them just enough to meet their daily needs. And the landowner gives the laborers, all of them, regardless of how long they have worked, what they need to sustain them for the day. What a blessing to be so cared for by our God whose generosity is beyond our understanding. What a challenge not to be outraged over God's generosity to others who aren't as worthy or haven't worked as hard. What a challenge to trust that enough is enough. And we really don't need to accumulate and store up and hoard more when our modern consumption is killing the earth and its inhabitants when so few hold most of the world's wealth while thousands are fleeing homes that can no longer sustain them in our world and our city where luxury apartment buildings and office buildings and storefronts empty while so many are in desperate need of shelter and affordable housing we need to reflect on what is enough our faith demands it and our world demands it I would encourage all of us to consider the concept of enough as a spiritual discipline to ask ourselves what is enough To reflect on our purchases, our resources, and our life choices, asking, what is enough? To give thanks and take time to appreciate that we do have enough. And having enough, maybe we can give more to others so they might also have enough. I read and then watched the embedded video in Friday's New York Times of Professor Robin Wall Kimmerer's opinion piece. If you missed it, I commend it to you. You may be familiar with her as the author of the best-selling book, Braiding Sweetgrass. Her piece in the Times is called, The Turtle Mothers Have Come Ashore to Ask About an Unpaid Debt. She writes about a turtle that comes to lay her eggs every summer on the volleyball court at Cranberry Lake Biological Station in the Adirondacks, where she teaches field research in the summer. One recent summer, a dozen turtles showed up. And when the scientists went to investigate why, they discovered that the level of the lake had risen so high that their usual sandy nesting places were underwater from unusually heavy rains. As a member of the Potawatomi people, the creation story that is a part of Kimmerer's heritage tells of how our home was made on the back of a turtle who gave herself so that the animals and plants could make Turtle Island, or North America. Kimmerer writes, I think the turtles headed for high ground with a kind of desperation to ask us to pay attention, to see that we teeter on the brink of climate catastrophe with our plant and animal relatives disappearing in waves of extinction. We need more than policy change, she continues. We need a change in worldview from the fiction of human exceptionalism to the reality of our kinship and reciprocity with the living world. The earth asks that we renounce a culture of endless taking so that the world can continue. Our culture of endless taking is not the worldview or lifestyle God calls us to. The people of Israel had to learn that God would provide their daily needs in the wilderness, and that was enough. Jesus asked us to pray for our daily bread, taught us through parables that it is useless to store up our wealth in bigger and bigger barns, taught us that God's generosity overflows so that all of us can have enough. This fall, I challenge all of us to take on a spiritual discipline of enough. Fall is stewardship season when we reflect on our financial gift to the church for the coming year, and even more, how we can use all of who we are and what we have to serve God and God's people. It is a perfect time to reflect on what is enough. It is a critical time for our world and it is a seasonal time in our life of faith. It is a blessing to be satisfied and grateful for enough. And it is a challenge to be satisfied and grateful for enough. May we embrace both the blessing and the challenge as we move forward in our lives of faith. Amen.